Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Henry Lopez with you here today, and my guest is Walt Brown. Walt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Henry. Looking forward to it. We're going to chat about Walt's entrepreneurial story, how he got to where he is today. And then he's going to share how he helps his clients with attracting, engaging, empowering, and retaining great team players to build that dream business that that we all want. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Walt Brown is an entrepreneur, a business coach, a certified entrepreneur operating system or EOS, you may have heard it referred to. He's a certified implementer for EOS and an author. He started his career as a CPA and a corporate auditor, but during the last decade, Walt has helped transform the culture of more than 160 organizations across the country through his work helping companies install effective organizational operating systems. These are systems that attain and maintain yes to the seven questions, which is going to be at the heart of our conversation. That'll make more sense in a moment. It's his greatest pleasure to help owners and companies sharpen or even resurrect their original dream culture to get back the company they always dreamed of having to create that place they always wanted to work for or work at. Walt is the author of The Patient Organization, Attracting, Engaging, and Empowering Team Players. The Patient Organization is kind of like a textbook for the seven questions, seven promises framework designed for determined business owners like us who won't settle for anything less than building and maintaining their dream company. So we're going to dive into this seven questions, seven promise framework after he shares his entrepreneurial story. Walt lives in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. So once again, Walt Brown, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Great to have you, sir. Um, So you started in an exciting career as a CPA slash corporate auditor, if I have it right. That's correct. An accounting nerd. An accounting nerd. And what what did you, did you back then think you, I'll do that uh, in the corporate level forever? Or did you have entrepreneurial aspirations? Tell me about those early days a little bit. Yeah, I, I always had entrepreneurial opera, uh, aspirations, and I just saw accounting as a place that I could learn a lot and see a bunch of businesses. And you know, if you're if you're in business, you need to understand the accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it led to there. I always dreamed of starting my own company. Come from a, a long lineage of of uh, entrepreneurs, like a great great grandfather. Uh, back in the 1800s, had the largest coach and wagon factory south of Philadelphia in Greenville, wow. South Carolina. Wow. Uh, you know, lost it during the Civil War, but that's a different story. And, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like that's kind of the genes go way back. Grandfather mm-hmm. had, a, had a general store. They were farmers, all that kind of stuff. American, American dream stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Were your parents business owners? No, they were not. My father was the number two guy for a really well-run uh, department store chain, started off one chain and went to 16 stores. And I was always reminded uh, the gentleman who owned the company was uh, uh, Carl Hudson, just, a, I mean, an absolute gentleman, 
my father used to always say, remember, you don't spell brown, H-U-D-S-O-N. Hmm. And it wasn't a negative thing. It was just like, recognize your place when you're in the store. You know, this is not your company. This is someone else's company. Yeah, I might be really high up, but uh, it's not yours. And I don't say that that drove me, but I grew up around a, a retail table that talked retail and talked business all the time. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So then um, tell me about Leyline, uh, that business and what led to you starting it. Well, interesting. Uh, after four audit seasons at Ernst and Winnie, uh, took the IQ exam and scored low enough when I was allowed to start <laughs> my own company. And what I was doing at that point, I was racing sailboats and I was racing bicycles. You know, I really, I really value my days on this earth and I don't like to waste them. So uh, I was looking around for a company I could start. I would have started a bicycle racing catalog business, but I'd gotten Performance Bicycle Shop as a client they mm. were a big mail order company back in the day mm-hmm. and ethically it wouldn't be right to you know <laughs> look at your company look at your clients books and then go into business to compete right. against them and i was uh, racing sailboats at the same time and i was trying to order some very specific parts and i called lands in and you know some people remember this this is back mm-hmm. in 86 and the person on the end of the phone was like i don't know what you're talking about and i'm really not interested in helping you huh. and i was like there is an opportunity and uh, so Leyline is a sailing term uh, and started in the sailboat racing business, selling stuff to households that race sailboats. And up underneath that was when there's a sailboat being raced in a, in a house, there's normally a horse being shown. Mama and daughter have horses. And so what we really, the real business was importing and distributing and building markets around European horse brands, even though the cover was sailing. Okay, so you, you spun me up there. Are you saying, were you joking? Or are you saying that really in households where people sail, there's also horses, horse yes. interest? Yes, right. That's the affluence you're dealing with. Interesting. I see. Okay. Yeah. Got it, got it. So you can pretty much assume that that market may, may be also in the equestrian market as well. Correct. Maybe not in Texas with, with the sailboats, but... Right. You know, Connecticut, places like that. Those things are often connected. Okay. Got you there. Um, So I'm assuming this was a a traditional uh, paper printed catalog, mail mail order type thing. Is that correct? Yes. We started out with uh, Polaroids and cutting actual film to do four color printing. And then it went all the way through to uh, I bought Leyline.com from a telephone vendor in 1998. Wow. They called and, said, and they were like, they were selling. I said, how much? They said $360. And this was Thursday. Can I call you back on Tuesday? Jeez. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. So then it became a dot com. And uh, actually, that's when it made it a heck of a lot harder because mm-hmm. we used to be opinion leaders and you'd print and you put stuff out and you could, that, that message would hold for six months a year. I see. And then, then you put it on the web, you print and people copy it the next day. You know, so it really got, it was like a race to the bottom on that side. Interesting. The side stayed really strong. So it's fun. Why, why did you decide to exit that business? I was traveling like a hundred days a year and uh, while still racing sailboats, like 78 days a year, I had a couple of young children, like you and I were talking about Jane and Marion and uh, the phone rang one day. It was a family office. Have you ever thought about selling the company? And I'm like, well, of course you're always setting up your company to sell if you're running it properly. And agreed. I said, yeah. You know, and uh, they came in and gave us a good price. Knowing what I know now, Henry, I wouldn't have sold it. Because? Had, 
I just had great people and I was sort of doing everything I do now, but naturally. And I didn't realize that I could have stepped away from that business and done anything else I wanted to do. And my folks would have run it beautifully. Mm. You know, it's just Okay. Like, so you had not learned the lesson yet. You thought nope. you were integral to the business and you had yep. to make every critical decision. Well, I was still 45 years old and it was ah, just yeah. so close, you know, yeah. and it was uh, nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? It was uh, mm -hmm. now I look back with perspective to seeing other, other teams that my clients have and like, boy, I was pretty lucky. So, um, is well. it still an existing business? Uh, not ley lines. Okay. The other piece, you know, kid ran into the ground. Typical. I stuff. see. Here's the 747. It's full. <laughs> full. Just all you got to do is, is get on the intercom and talk to the customers. And he, right. You know, shut the door, close the intercom off, started pulling on the yokes. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. Oh God. We all have those lessons. Entrepreneur. Yep. So that's what then, that's when then you segued into coaching and consulting. Is that right? Yeah. After 20 years, uh, people said, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't know. And they were like, are you, have you ever thought about coaching or facilitation? Those, those exact words. Hmm. And it's like touchy Philly stuff. Like, I'm an accounting <laughs> statistics guy. <laughs> and I know yeah, you'd be really right. good. Yeah, so I ended up, I bought a franchise called the alternative board. Okay. Which, which dealt with uh pretty small companies and you would, you would put them into like a peer board environment every month and you would meet with, with the owner and do like strategic thinking and very quickly end up with three boards with uh, 11 people on each board. So it was like 33 business owners you're meeting with every month. It was, it was wonderful, but that's led to where I am now. Mm -hmm. When did you start getting involved with the OS with the, the traction stuff with, with, from Gino Wickman? Well, we sold, we sold Leyline uh, August 7th, 80, I mean, 2006. And, uh, I launched tab on September 9, 2006. Wow. And then, uh, late into 2007, I had these clients that were part of tab going, Hey, Walt, you know, we've, we've worked on the strategic plan for the last year. I feel super comfortable with where we're going. My board is saying, go, go, go. And they, uh, asked if I could help them pivot. And I said, yeah, sure. I could do that. And I had nine of those asks and I went in and I met with 16, six different companies, and at the beginning of the meeting, they were all up at the table, all excited. And by the end of the day, they were like leaning back in their chairs. Their you know, heads were back at the ceiling. Their tongues were lulling out. <laughs> and you, know, you could just feel them going, here we go again. Another strategic planning retreat that's going to go nowhere. Yeah. And, uh, at that point, Henry, I was like, I don't have it. And I went back and talked to my class and said, I don't have it. But I'm going to go start looking. And I'm reading all the books, good to great, built to last, all that stuff back in that time frame, and, and all of them were like 30,000 foot books that really weren't bringing things to the ground. And I'm looking and I can't find anything. And then I'm on my mountain bike one day and the phone rings and I look down at it and it's a number from Detroit. And I said, what the heck? I'll answer it and I answered the phone. And this voice says, you know, hello, this is Walt. Walt, this is Don Tenney calling from the EOS process. It's like, Hey Don, how's it going? And Don goes, goes in this little spiel. And I said, whoa, whoa, Don, stop. Now, real quick, Don Tinney was Gino Whitman's wingman. Okay. EOS would not be what it is without Don Tinney, period. It's like he, he was, was kind of his, in, his implementer. Or, he, um, he, yeah, he was the first integrator. implementer and his yep. first integrator. Yep. And I said, Don, you know, you're calling me from Detroit. You're on my cell phone. How'd you get my number? And he says, I Googled you. And wow. I said, really? What search term did you use? And he says, <laughs> business coaches Raleigh. And I said, oh, really? What page was on? And Don says, 
Google search page nine. <laughs> nine, how many guys have you called? My goodness. And Don says, you're the only one. And it came from his heart. And I, I was like, you are sick. I love sick people. I'll talk to you. <laughs> and that was then, you know, got on the phone with him the next Tuesday. And he took me through it over the phone. And I was like, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And, you know, jumped in there, got it going and uh, sold my tab franchise. Once my client saw how well it worked, I just been focused on that. That's fantastic. It's, yeah. Isn't that cool? That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's what what, uh, what did he see in you? It was just online at that point. What was it that stood out to him that he called you? You know, I, I, I don't know. He, he's just like, you're my, he always says to me, you're just my brother from a different mother. That's mm. what he calls me. <laughs> I, you know, and I've never really dug that deep. He's just one of these guys that had a list and he was going to make some phone calls and sure. he was going to research it first. And uh, I think he just said the tone of the website and just, mm -hmm. You know, yep. I don't know Henry exactly, but yeah, just a super nice. Well, he must have read integrity and 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 going about it. I mean, they were looking obviously for those key initial people at that time to to make sure they did it the right way, right? Yeah, and they still are. You know, the yeah. core values are are help first, do the right thing, do what you say. You know, mm -hmm. humbly confident. You know, that's who he was looking for. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, the seven questions, seven promises. How did that evolve for you? Oh God, I feel like a Mr. Storytime. This, this, was, <laughs> this was really cool. Uh, I guess around client number 80 or 90, I really kind of lose track of it, <clears throat> but you can peg the time. Do you remember a few years ago when, when everyone was really complaining about millennials? Yes. Well, they still are, but yeah, they still are. But that whole like stereotype was going on. And I was looking at the millennials and the companies that I had that were just packed with millennials and they all just seemed to be ready to take over the world. You know, I just wasn't, I wasn't seeing that stereotype. And what I did is I asked my clients for permission to like do focus groups and engage with these millennials. And that, you know, about 80 or hundred clients had gone through the program with me by that point. And it wasn't a super uh, sophisticated like group, but, but we had good enough conversations. And then finally through the conversations, they basically said what we're doing in EOS is answering these seven questions mm -hmm. and then allowing you know me to stay aligned to them uh, you know it was, it was just really that's where it came from mm -hmm. but in my work it was just paying attention that there was a pattern in there right uh you know yeah it's interesting on the millennial we've we've touched on that topic quite a bit on my show and, and one of the key takeaways that i think ties to as we get into the seven questions uh, and, and, you know, we both have kids that are in that, in that range, that millennial range. Yep. I think if we're like, what it boils down to is they've figured out what uh, they saw us fight through and struggle through uh, a different paradigm. They figured out that doesn't quite work. <laughs> right. In other words, they're, they're smarter than we are. They, they see, they saw that we were still living in that generation where we thought, you know, we'd work somewhere forever and we'd be taken care of. And, you know, that was the value proposition. Right. Um, yeah. they, they've evolved beyond that. Very true. And that's also, you know, people say, oh, they don't know what they want. No, I'm not. They know exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. You're just not giving it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so that, that's what the issue is. They grew up with rubrics, you know, and, and they are observing and taking note. And uh, yeah, it's, yep. it's interesting. Uh, yep. All right. So um, if, if you were to stop and think of a couple of characteristics, personal characteristics, 
that have led to your success in life and in business so far? What would those be? <laughs> Characteristics. Uh, I don't suffer fools very well. So we and you think that's, that. that's helped you? Well, I think what it is, is that, you know, you look at my disc profile, I'm a pretty high C, I mean, which means I got fairly high levels of compliance. I'll follow the rules when the rules make sense. And, you know, so I'm just not very good with regards to, you know, seeing a pattern and, uh, you know, people aren't willing to, to see or, or maybe I'm just stubborn. Maybe I think I'm a know-it-all. I don't know really what it is, Henry, but it's just like, hey, guys, you know, uh, if the rule makes sense, I will absolutely follow it. But if it doesn't, I'm going to make up my own rule. But people <laughs> like that, people like you, that you <laughs> sniff out things that, that aren't uh, quite, you, you sniff out things that are BS pretty early on. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, just a, a high model and, and lever like that. And I like to put together patterns is another characteristic, you know, see trends. I don't, that's always been kind of there and had a pretty good nose for seeing where the next gap is. Mm -hmm. And then you expressed it early on about your, you want to get the most out of every day. That's kind yes. of been, that's about been part of it, I have to think. Yeah, I don't like to waste. I don't like to waste any time, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm actually pretty spiritual and stuff like that. And I just, you know, recognize the days in this earth are present are very precious. Mm -hmm. So uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So let's, let's get into it. What, what is, uh, I'd like you to introduce the seven questions, seven promise framework, and then we'll, we'll start there. Just introduce that for me if you would. Yeah. So we, we refer to it as like a seven, six, one framework model, meaning that there's basically seven questions that we need to answer as an organization and then we take those answers and make a promise to our org to, to the people in our organization uh, through strengthening in an organizational operating system, which is the six, I'll give that in a second, to create one single organization. And so the key point is, is you know, in culture and in an organization, you know, if you've got 200 people and 99 people believe one thing and 101 believe something else, you have two cultures, you have two organizations, you know, you've already been divided and getting ready to be conquered. And our, and our goal is, is that if you can get on the same page, what yes means the seven basic things, and then work really, really hard to maintain an organization that's always allowing those seven things to manifest, you can maintain that one single culture. And so you can go through the questions either way, but uh, I want to go through them backwards today. It's uh, we want to be able to make sure that people understand what it means to be balanced at, uh, at our company. We would like for them to understand what it means to uh, take control of their own development and what development looks like, what it means to be heard, what it means to be measured, what it means to be accountable, uh, what they're believing in and whether they belong. And the other direction is we want to make sure that when they come in, they know what it means to belong. They are clear what they're believing in with regards to strategy and priorities. It's absolutely clear what they're accountable for. That's an open conversation. They're agreeing on how they're measured. They're uh, active in the way that their opinions are heard, they're active in their development, and they understand what balance looks like. And they can go, yeah, those are all seven things I agree with. I fit here. Mm -hmm. And also give an opportunity to self-select out if they don't fit. Right, right. That makes, is that clear? Yeah, the, the six part is what I'm so not clear. Seven, six, yes. one. So the six is... The, the six part is there's with, this is it's not a pitch for EOS. There's uh, EOS has, is an op organizational operating system. You have to have an operating system in place. That's basically the system and institutions and the rhythms that allow you to keep your promise that you make. 
and that's an, an organizational operating system. There's uh, 40X, there's scaling up, there's Rockefeller mm-hmm. Habits, there's EOS, there's Holacracy. I mean, every company has an organizational operating system. You just might not have named it that. Right. But, uh, you know, and the, and the best ones allow you to maintain, yes, the seven questions. That's what the six means. I'm still not getting why it's six. Oh, six EOS has six key components. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. The in, the, in, the, in, the, in the circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The circle. Yeah. Got that's it, what got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Now that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It would have been great if I had a visual here. But <laughs> exactly. Imagine if you will. <laughs> yes. That's what so one of the things, you know, I was yeah. going through this and studying this and, and of course, you know, a, a lot of this is you've, you've compiled this over years of, of understanding this as you explained for a small business owner, I think one of the challenges sometimes, Walt, is that we, we tend to be as a small business owner a lot in our head. We haven't matured yet enough in our business to, you know, put to writing what our mission is or why, what our why is. Uh, how do you help a small business owner that's in that, at that phase with, with getting to this next level of, I don't know, I'll call it transparency for lack of a better word. You understand what I'm, what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause it's, you know, when you're, when you're five or seven people, it's pretty easy to, to have the conversations and just sort of absorb that you've got the right culture and the right mm-hmm. people around you. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, the, the codification of, of who you want to surround you, who are, what kind of behaviors and attitudes you want to surround yourself with are basically your core values. And then uh, where you really want to go and what's your future look like is, is, are your beliefs, you know, then clarity around who's accountable for what, uh, how you're measuring success is super important. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we go about listening in the organization, uh, developing yourself and others. And then what does balance look like work-life balance, money and things. It's, it actually isn't that hard to do. It's almost should be easier for well, this. Let me, let me give you a better perspective on that <clears throat> is uh, a client of mine, Clay Gilbert daughter is up in New York city, journalism major at UNC Chapel Hill and has been up working in marketing agencies for a while. And she's 28 years old and she was moving from one firm to another. And I was talking to Clay about it as a friend and, he said, I said, have you talked deeply about why she's making the move? She said, no, she just wants to do it. And I said, have you, have you asked her that question through the seven questions? Mm-hmm. You know, why is she moving from one firm to another? And he called her, he's a quick start, calls her and <laughs> went through the seven questions because his team was one of the ones that helped develop them. And she, within 45 minutes, he had a two page email back where she had answered all the seven questions. Wow. So the, the, the point I'm making is, is that the, the answers are right there. You just have to sit down and pull them out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's not that complicated. It's actually easier to do as an individual than it is with a team. Because with a team, a lot of times there's people there that really don't believe in the seven things you believe in. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so of the seven, there's a couple that I wanted to spend a little bit more time on and then we'll, we'll see where, where we go. But, but the, the one on, um, developed do i understand and embrace how i am developed that's from the perspective of the employee or the staff member you you know i I really this crystallized for me with one of our businesses that we started in 2011 it's a self-serve frozen yogurt shop and so we've got young people working for us uh, minimum wage type uh, employees and it's interesting how 
um, going into it, I would have thought more so, and this has to do with the millennial conversation as well. I would have thought, you know, pay is the, the biggest driver. But in fact, what we've heard again and again is that what they appreciate, of course, they want to get paid. But what they appreciate is that we have put together a very comprehensive training program mm -hmm. and have laid out what that path looks like for them even for something as simple as somebody who works at a yogurt shop, which is not very complicated. Yep. But it, but that feedback has been consistent on how much they value that they know how they will be developed. And so that training program, is it training through like the different roles or positions that they they have through, is that how it's mapped? That is part of it. It's a pretty flat organization. So there's a staff level person, we call them a yogarista, and then there's a leader, but we have very few of those and then a manager. So it's really yeah. how you will progress through your first 30 days and then your first 90 days is really what mm -hmm. it's about. Yep. Yeah, uh, everything perfect. from what do you have to be, what level of proficiency do you have to show before your customer facing? Yep. You're going to take a test, all of those kind of things. Yes, exactly. There you go. So, and that's why we're on the exact same page in terms of terms of developed is really what you're describing is just a really, really solid on the job training that's been well developed. You know, so many people and you're doing it for them as opposed to to, to, to them. And so we take uh development where, well, yes, we need to have certain training classes. You know, you want to learn how to run Excel or you want to do these different development type of, of classes. It really is, it hinges more on the, the word, what are you accountable for mm -hmm. and how you're being measured and heard. Right. It's, it's directly tied to those other two things, right? The accountable yeah. when you're measured. Absolutely. Yes. And then, then, you know, do they understand the rhythms on how they're heard? And so uh, there's an, there's another model that's coming out that I call the organizational cognizance model. And it's in a, it's in a book captured in a, the next book that's being printed now is called death of the org chart rise of the organizational graph. And we think of a, a you have a job that has a, a purpose statement, but then each job has, I refer to them as positions, Henry, mm -hmm. like different roles. I see, you know, and if you took your yoga stuff, you know, this is one of your roles is to greet the customer. What, right. what does that mean? Right. And one of your roles is to maybe know how to clean the machines. What does that mean? You know, and so we have this model where from your position, who do you turn to to get coached in that position? I see. You know, and how you measure, what, is, what does success look like in there? What systems are you interfacing with? You know, what workflows and processes? We have this whole thing mapped out. So you know, they can go from, they can say, okay, the skills required for this position are this. And you can actually visualize a path for self-improvement and self-development, mm -hmm. you know, includes the coaching and the mentoring, all that's mapped. Uh, so people know what their path is for development. Yeah. I love that. And again, I don't want to turn this into a conversation about millennials, yeah. but millennials, it's, it's very important. They get how important it is, but I've always found, forget about millennials. I've always Everybody found that does. people, I'm sorry. Everyone does. Everybody does. Exactly. I think <laughs> well, that's what exactly what I'm saying. We have, I have always found that people want, by and large, want to do the right thing. They want to do a good job. It's just a matter of, do you put them in a position to do so? And do you give them the tools that enable them to do so? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Millennials are people too. Exactly. Right. We're not sure about that yet, but anyway, supposedly. Um, balance is one that I struggle with. So I want to come back to that one. So do I understand and embrace how I maintain 
balance. And the way you further describe that is that there are three components. There's work life, there's compensation, there's health and wellness. It's the work life one that um, certainly coming from the corporate background, I've always found that supposed uh, desire for my corporation to want me to have balance as uh, a lie. Yeah, (laughs) right. Right, because because it's just it's just a lie for for the most part. Of course, there are corporations doing a much better job at that. But now I bring from that with me to business ownership as a small business owner. I guess maybe the way I'll ask it is: give me some examples of what that looks like in a small business when I provide that balance for an employee. Yeah, so we'll, we'll approach this from two different sides. The uh, business owner work-life balance with so many of us mm, go into yes, go in, yes. you know, try to try to start our own company. So we have a little control over our work and life balance. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's hit that. And then the other side is the employees, you know, a CPA firm saying we're going to have a work-life balance to a, to a new associates <laughs> joining us, <laughs> or, you know, an attorney, no, yeah. no, you're going to yeah. work 80 hours a week. Yeah. And, there's no balance. <laughs> no. And, and you know, so a lot of it is, is when we say balance, we're not, we're not saying it's somebody else's definition of balance. We're saying as an organization, you know, if you're a company that's going to work 60 hours a week and you're expected to be there at 7am, you need to be absolutely upfront with what that looks like. I see. That's number one. And the, the, the second piece is your organizational operating system needs to uh, have an ability to be able to adjust that uh, capacity side. This is the total uh, nod to Gina Wickman and he has a tool called GWC when we're looking at somebody's uh, in their job uh, whether they get their job in their positions whether they want their job in their positions and then whether they have the capacity which means time to do the work and you know and that changes you, you come along some people uh, might have something going on in their life and they can only put in 32 hours a week or 40 hours a week and some people only want to do 40 and, uh, you know, with that GWC tool, we're supposed to be having a clean conversation with them every 90 days going, you know, in your life, what is, what capacity do you have? And, you know, will that capacity allow you to fit in this organization? Will you be balanced? You know, so it's, uh, it just depends on what your organization is and whether you can have the flexibility to adjust the balance. You know, a yoga Risa needs to be there from a certain time to a certain time, right? If you right, can't, right. If you can't do that, then, you know, that's not going to fit the balance equation of this company. And we love you, but, you know, there's probably a better place for you. But, but to your point, if I can interrupt on the to transparency, if though the truth is, is that I expect you to be there an hour earlier and stay an hour later, then I, I'm not properly communicating that balance. Is that Correct. part? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what we have to pull out. Yeah. You know, what does, what is this job require mm-hmm. and be straightforward with it and upfront, mm-hmm. you know, which ties the compensation piece of it. Does that help a little bit? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, then from the owner's perspective, you were going to give me that insight as well. Your thoughts. Yeah. There. So remember I am a, I am a CPA. I like mm-hmm. rules and I like rules and I like systems that work and there's no reason to reinvent a system that works. Uh, Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach. I don't know if you've heard much about Dan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they, my my uh, business partner and co-host David uh, is, belongs to strategic coach. So. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm a coach guy too. And he has this thing called uh, focus free and buffer days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, a focus day is when you really are focused on making money. Easy for me. Cause you know, when I'm in with a client, I'm making money. 
a buffer day is sort of when you're doing those in-between things and a free day starts at 1201 at midnight and stops the next 24 hours after and you you don't log in you don't look at your phone you can mow the yard paint the house do whatever but you take a day a free day and uh, it might be saturday or sunday you know spend your sunday going to church and focus on all that that's a free day and it cleans your mind up and gives you that uh clarity back it's a credible model but you know how, as owners how early in your business ownership were you able to stick to that on a regular basis is it i can't remember ago. is it supposed to be weekly or does that a year ago a year ago yeah <laughs> well uh you know, no, actually, I, 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 I did it, but it wasn't really overt. I did a lot of sailboat racing. And I see. Okay. But that was a free day for you, though. If you were on the oh, board, yeah, that was a free day. Yeah. And I wasn't focused on business. I was, right. I was uh, working. And, you know, so Tuesday would come in and everything would shut off. And I was, you know, pretty good about going, going dark. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you just really have to protect that as a business owner. You know, because I remember this is a joke is uh, as entrepreneurs, the day we hate most is Sunday. Mm-hmm because we want to get something done and nobody's there to do the work. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's why you send off the million emails, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like, just stop logging in on Sunday stop, and gave that time. Stop. Yeah. You know. It's just hard because again, you know, we've talked about this on the show many times where we're that type of personality where we go, go, go. And, yep. and we got to take a time to, to strike that balance. All right. Well, good. Yeah, Thank, thanks yeah. for sharing that. <laughs> That insight on the balance piece of it and the developed piece. Yeah. Uh, so I took the the survey on the website, which I encourage people to do as well. Um, how do you? Where do you? Where do I start? So if if I take the survey and I'm kind of aligned here, not aligned here, the answer would be no to this. These three questions. Where do you start with someone? Right. Uh, you know, like I'm with a company tomorrow. That uh, it, it's funny. Larger companies like a thousand employees are coming into uh, what I do through the seven questions more than saying, Hey, we want to install an operating system. Hmm. A lot of times they already have an operating system. right? So they're doing the seven questions and we're seeing where they might be, you know, it's, it's a scale of one to 10. So you really can't say an eight's better than a five. All we're doing is measuring relative numbers on that scale. And, you know, very often accountability is, is like where they're lacking the most people are saying, you know, we're a thousand people, not sure really who's doing what, uh, okay. yeah. that, you know, a lot of times we've done a pretty good job with blog and believe values are out there. The, the, the plan's pretty well done, but you know, you, you take that. And one of the cool things about the, the whole survey and the whole, uh, seven questions, seven promise framework approach is we're trying to flip the script, Henry and uh, be able to say to our folks, honestly, that this is something we're doing for you as opposed to to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took this survey and this is where we were weak. And you know what, guys, we actually have a way to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. You know what I mean? Where a lot of times you take surveys and there's no way to pull any levers and the employees just say, well, that was a waste of time. Right. You know, so. Uh, and then uh, on an ongoing basis, how often should I be measuring this, uh, at least formally measuring it, whether it's in a survey format or whatever, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So the, the formal survey, you wouldn't want to do it more than twice a year. That's enough, plenty. And then, you know, we're, we're trying to shove in a, a seasonal conversation where 
we're taking 15 minutes to sit down with each direct report or individual contributor and go through the seven questions with them. Hey, do you understand this? And have a little open conversation. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes, but 15 minutes typically once they've gone through it a few times. And so you're able to kind of keep a, you know, a, a, a pulse just by having that system in place. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Uh, we'll yeah, keep man. going here, but just to summarize quickly, we've been talking about the seven questions, seven promise framework, and it's all about helping us as small business owners attract, engage, empower, and retain those great team players. Yep. Uh, it's even, I, you know, as I think about that last part, the team, great team players in a small organization, it's even more impactful to keep those team, those great team players motivated, focused, producing, productive, and stay with us instead of jumping to that other firm, right? Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times a small company, we can't even afford to pay them as much as they, That's they right. can somewhere else. That's right. So yeah. these other things... Uh, are, are very important to people. And I think right. we're, we're starting to be much more in tune with that, right? Yeah. And just as natural small tribes, you know, it's easy to keep the seven questions clear. Yes. yes. Right. But, it's, but as you get bigger, you know, it's a lot more difficult when all of a sudden you don't have access to the CEO. Yeah. And, it gets diluted. I mean, it's just. Yep. Yeah, right. And so then that's when you're, that's when your operating system is so important to put into play to keep it, to keep it moving. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's where a lot of people get stuck is they can get to that maybe 21 people and it's just really hard for them to keep that flywheel moving because uh, they don't have a system to, that keeps the culture going. Yeah. So. All right. So what's the name of your business now? Is it, is it, the, is, <laughs> Are you it have a, yeah, I am a little confused. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was uh, Walt Brown Co. as just the EOS ah, implementation right. okay, thing. That's right. Okay. And then, uh, but it, it's seven Q seven P now. Okay. Um, so that's, that's how you're, you're doing business under the seven Q seven promises brand. Yes. I promise. That's the last time. <laughs> Don't make promises. You can't keep. <laughs> no, but, no, it's uh, for, so for so long, I was Walt at leyline.com and then I've been Walt at Walt Brown co for, you know, 11 years. And now we've shifted over. And so seven Q seven P.com is, that's pretty cool, right? So yeah, four, it is. That's a four. Is. That's a four-letter URL, brother. I know. And how many of those are available anymore that make any sense? I love it. I love it. All right. So oh, some, we've touched on it, but summarize oh. for us the the services that you all offer. Well, you know, primarily, um, I'm funding everything going forward is just a, an EOS implementer. You know, so I'm doing 130 days a year in the room with with senior leadership teams helping them install EOS. So that's like my primary day job. But the seven questions, seven promises framework, all my clients is go, all my clients go through it, but there are a lot of people out there who already have an operating system in place. And so what we're focusing on with seven Q seven P is running workshops to help them understand the seven questions and to be able to reflect on and basically audit the current operating system they have in place and utilize it to be able to make and keep the promises. Is that clear? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah. So some workshops you had mentioned, you've got a workshop coming up. I don't know the timing of this episode will be out by then, but when is that workshop that's coming up? Uh, we're doing quarterly. The, the okay. kickoff one is in February in okay. beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Absolutely. Yeah. So this episode, if you're listening to it, uh, is December timeframe. So definitely time to check that out. They'll go to Sweet. the website to get information on, information yeah. on that. 7q7p.com. Thank you, Henry. Perfect. Easy, easy <laughs> enough. Easy. All right. Books. Uh, your book again that we've been uh, talking a little bit about is The Patient Organization, Attracting, yep. Engaging, and Empowering Team Players. I, I was curious, why, why that title, The Patient Organization? What do we have to be patient about? 
Well, it came from it came from the guy who wrote the book about Red Hat called the Open Organization. And so that kind of got the title moving. Patience from the standpoint of moxie and grit and guts, and knowing when to take the shot, uh, calm. Not not in terms of like lazy being patient, but just you know lots of nerve. And and, and sticking to it and yes. staying the course. And when your opportunity opens up, you move. Yeah, and that's you know that, that would probably be perseverance, patience. So I don't consider myself patience, right. patient from a business owner standpoint. But you know, I'm always measuring. I'm always taking aim. You mm-hmm. know, and it just never stops. That's what we mean by patient. Love it. The patient yeah. organization. Is there another book uh, that comes to mind that uh, you um, would recommend? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, all based on trust. And so, yeah, you know, I talk about it some in the patient organization, but you know, his stack is uh, without vulnerability-based trust, meaning, meaning leave your ego at the door. You're never going to have open and honest debate and conversation. That's not going to lead to any kind of commitment and accountability and results. So five dysfunctions of a team, just it's just a classic timeless book. Yep. Love it. Thank you for that recommendation. We'll have a link to that as well as to Walt's book on the show notes page to this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Walt, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation that we've had about the seven questions, seven promise framework, especially, again, as it relates to very small business owners? Uh, what's one thing you want us to take away from that? Yeah, I would, I would encourage them to uh, take the survey themselves and re- reflect on the questions and, and get to the point where they can answer those questions. You know, how, do, I, do I know what it means to belong? Figure out what your core values are. And do I know, understand what it means to believe? And you do have a why. You have a, a how and a what to borrow Simon Sinek's model. Mm-hmm. You know, what does accountability look like? Go through, go through the seven questions and carry that framework around with you in your notebook. And, and the, the people who run businesses where they answer those questions affirmatively get what they get a business that they dreamed of. Uh, they get a business that's, that's just better to be a part of all of those things, right? They're going to find that they're uh, not constantly trying to get the flywheel moving mm-hmm. because they're, they're going to find themselves surrounded by people who are interested in keeping it going. Yeah. And, and it's also going to give them a good, clean, clean view on who to get rid of when you're surrounded by terrorists in your office. Got it. And then you can take those free days too. Yes. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The website again is 7q7p.com. Wonderful. Well, this has been a, a great conversation. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for sharing the insights. Uh, uh, I just really enjoyed the conversation we've had today. Yeah, me too. I'm smiling into ear to ear and I hope to meet you someday. In Absolutely. Person, Henry. We will stay connected. There's no doubt. And hopefully have you back on the show at some point. Yeah. With, with OCOG. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode. My guest today again was Walt Brown. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the how of car washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit the how of and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.